Our first 2022 episode, I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we're bringing you some baseball history in this new year. That's right. We're a baseball history podcast where the story base runner doesn't know what the story third base coach is going to be telling them. That's right. And I'm going to be waving you around third? Sure. This whole podcast? Sure. All right. I don't... All right. We're doing it. We're doing it. Stretch of a metaphor. I was trying to switch it up a little bit. I love it. I think we should just keep doing this every time. I was trying to throw you for a loop. Yeah, exactly. Cross you up. Exactly. Third base coach giving the signs to the hitter? Sure. He doesn't know what's going to come. No. Well, he might. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway. So you have no idea I am bringing a story. Uh, Last time I brought you the story of Charlie Pride, but that Mm -hmm. was... Six weeks ago at this point. So back in November. Back in November, we were anticipating the shutdown of Major League Baseball and uh, currently living through it. So, (laughs) yes, we are. We've uh, found some time to record a few new episodes. Uh, No idea. Super excited just to get any baseball content out there right now with everything going on. So, uh, Mm -hmm, that's right. You can always get your baseball content with us before you start your story there, Sean. Uh, oh, yeah, gotta make sure we tell them to follow us on Twitter at doing baseball and Instagram at doing dot baseball. Yep, and uh, give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts if you can. And now you can give us a rating on Spotify. So, what if you listen to us enough, apparently, you can give us a rating, but if you're just a casual fan, you can't chime in there which i guess is kind of good yeah i guess that's good so yeah. people can't just uh just throw up the five star rating or the one star or rating. the one star rating yeah that's true okay my goodness i'm so excited so i spent my christmas break um being me and reading about baseball history mm-hmm. and writing it down so today uh well today we're gonna do a number of podcasts you're gonna hear them spread out through a number of different stories but oh my goodness Eddie, I, I texted you saying that this one is a next level. This is just funny. This doesn't happen anymore. This is the funny one you were telling. This me about. is funny. Okay. Like I, I, it's been a couple weeks since I wrote it, uh, but oh my goodness! So, let's start the scene. It's December thirtieth, eighteen eighty eight. Eighteen eighty eight. Yep, we're in Mc- a long time ago. McPherson, Kansas. Okay. And Clara Majorkirth mm-hmm. is about to give son. I was about to give son to a birth. <laughs> okay. He's about to give birth to a son. I know what you were trying to say. Exactly. And that man is a man by the name of George Levi Majorkirth. George Levi Majorkirth. So Majorkirth. It's quite a handle. Yeah, it's not spelled the way you'd think. It's M-A-G-E-R-K-U-R-T-H. Okay, that's not at all how I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so he's born to uh, Charles and Clara Majorkirth. He's the first of five children, so he's the oldest. Uh, Charles Majorkirth is is from uh, Germany, I believe, and Clara is a Swedish immigrant. Mm -hmm. Um, So the family would not stay long in Kansas, packing up for Kiwani, Illinois otherwise known as the Boiler City, in 1894. The, why was it called the Boiler City? Well, probably because Charles worked as a boiler maker. Okay. And they probably had a big boiler making industry. And my question for you that I did not look up, because I figured you'd probably know, is what is a boiler maker? I, I don't know. <laughs> Damn it. It's a beer as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's a brewer. He's German. <laughs> he's not a brewer. Okay, so regardless... George Majorkirth. Have you heard of George Majorkirth? No. So he has the tiniest Wikipedia I've ever seen, to the point where I honestly think I could put the script for this podcast on there, and it would be much more informative <laughs> than the small paragraph. That sounds like it. Yeah. I get amazed sometimes when we look up these people from, from baseball history, and it's their, their Wikipedia is nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's absolutely well. So young George did not wish to make boilers. No. Which what I assumed a boilermaker does. Didn't want to follow in his father's footsteps. No. Okay. The young, broad, chubby-faced George loved baseball and was a heck of a catcher 
and an all-around tough-as-nails athlete. All right. Um, you're going to see. So when he was 19, he played in the Illinois-Missouri League, and in 1910 and 1911, at the age of 21 and 22, remember he was born late in the year, mm-hmm. uh, Major Kurth begins his professional uh his professional career with the Kearney Capitalists of the Class D Nebraska State League. Uh, Okay. So he played catcher primarily uh, and put up catcher numbers at the plate. He batted 177 in 1910. Uh, George made quite the impression on the team in a different way, though. On July 25th, 1910, George was ejected for arguing with an umpire and then later confronted the umpire at the hotel. Major <laughs> Kurth reportedly attacked the umpire, and for this, George received a 30-day suspension. Damn, he's like the antithesis of uh, Tim Hurst. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see. All so right. with the suspension, George only played 53 games, but he came back and put up better numbers in 1911, hitting 218 with five home runs. Uh, good enough okay. to advance him to Class C uh, the next year where he played for the Duluth White Sox of the Central International League, the Class C team of the Chicago White Sox. So things did not go as planned, though, and that's as far as George would make it. In baseball? On the field. Well, not on the field. Uh, right. As a player. Okay. So his playing career is over. What year? Uh this would be the next year after 1911, so about 1912. Yeah, so he's 23-ish okay. uh, with his late birthday. George uh, had married Millie E. Gilmore of the Gilmore clan that we know yeah. uh, in 1909. <laughs> <laughs> they lived in Moline, Illinois, and the two were just about to start a family. So George worked odd jobs around town and stayed active in Moline playing baseball and even playing guard for a local football team which made sense considering he was about 6'3 and 195, 200 pounds. Right, so big boy. <laughs> big boy. Uh, yeah, once again, we're talking 1910, so right, bigger right. than today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, Delahanty was like 185 and was considered a huge man. Exactly. Like six feet or yeah. whatever. Anybody over <laughs> six feet is basically a monster at this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Uh, Major Cruz would only put on more weight as he aged. Uh, <laughs> cats eating the plant. Yeah. So Major Cruz was an imposing trigger. And I should mention, this wasn't just any local football league that Major Kurth played in. Major Kurth was a lineman uh, for the Rock Island Independence of the American Professional Football Association, the forerunner to the NFL. Okay. So not only is this guy, uh, you so he's know, he's good. He's, he's good, good, and he plays it. for essentially a, a, a football league that preceded the NFL. Yeah. Well, he's a giant. Yeah, so. and he's also a boxer. He's a boxer too. He's a boxer. Tough guy. He would log sixty-two bouts as an amateur and professional boxer. Holy! So not like just a cup of coffee either. <laughs> yeah. So Arthur Daly of the New York Times, uh, a renowned New York Times sports writer, said he had a bulldog features and a disposition to match. All right, there we go. Yeah. So he's he's yeah he's he's known to be a little bit rough, but mm-hmm. to everybody he's con- he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's a family guy. He's just living in. You know, Illinois, raising a family. Yeah. (laughs) Like, his sports stuff, uh, he's not getting paid enough to just be an athlete. But clearly, he loves sport. He's competitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's still playing baseball. He's playing football at at the most professional level at the time, which is not very professional. Right. And he's boxing. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well. Yeah. So, why... Would Arthur Daly, the renowned sports writer for the New York Times, have written anything about George Majorkirth? Well, he sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, in the 1920s, Eds, George Majorkirth would return to the ball fields exchanging his glove for a blue blazer. An umpire. Yes, sir. Another umpire story. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had an umpire me. story. Okay, yeah, let's this is go why with I'm it. glad you didn't read the tweet. No, All right, let's go. so Major Kurth began umpiring in a local factory league. His imposing figure and take no nonsense demeanor was perfect for the role. I was going to say, <laughs> would make a perfect umpire. So George flourished in this position of authority. Mm-hmm. Throughout his career, whenever he was on the field, he was in charge. And if you showed him up, 
you'd be out of the game and possibly on your way to the hospital. Challenge you to a boxing match. <laughs> yeah, I've... Yes. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Said he went to the hospital. Dude, there is some... Send you to the hospital. There is some stories here that if you haven't listened to the terrible Tim Hurst episode, you have to. Uh, one of my favorite ones I ever did. This is this is up there. Like, this is fantastic. And remember, this is uh, <laughs> the next era. This is, you know, 10, 15 years after Hurst. He took Hurst. the influence of Tim Hurst's frontier justice <laughs> and, and, you know, found his own way. So... In June 1922, Major Kurth uh, was hired to umpire in the Class D Mississippi Valley League. For some reason, the local paper, the local paper at home, not not the like local his paper home. there. Yeah, so okay. the Rock Island Argus in Illinois covered the, his debut. <laughs> so they're covering the debut of an umpire. Like George's umpire in today? Yeah, imagine your Send local... Some reporters down. <laughs> yeah, in Mississippi, <laughs> yeah. in the like low minor leagues. Yeah. Um, so they noted that he, he has the size and voice to command respect. All right. Which is just super weird, but at the same point... So he's big and scary. Yeah, yeah. A week later in Cedar Rapids, catcher Joe Sullivan of Marshalltown uh, Iowa Ansons began to jaw at the rookie umpire during a game. Sullivan had quite the reputation for a bullyish behavior, and none of this mattered to Major Kurth, though. According to reports, Sullivan then advanced threateningly towards George, and George popped him one. Sullivan was ejected from the game and consciousness, along with his jaw, which Major Kurth had broken. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. He rocked him. He rocked him. He's a, he's a professional boxer. Well, yeah, that's true. I yeah. Guess, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, this being the 1920s, they dragged Sullivan's ass off the field and the game continued. <laughs> yeah. Like, All right, get him out of here. Yeah. So you Clean him up. <laughs> you'd think Major Kurth would face repercussions for such an, in an incident. And you'll see as the game evolves, uh, yeah, he, he does. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, I can't find anything mentioning a suspension or whatnot for him. So, Not even a slap on the wrist. No. In fact, <laughs> Belden Hill, president of the Cedar Rapids Club, telegraphed the following message to league president Michael Sexton after the punch. You have a real umpire in Major Kurth. Hang on to him. <laughs> That's amazing. So the owner of the other team <laughs> that watched the opposing player get popped in the mouth. See, everybody respects Frontier Justice <laughs> this time. So Major Kurth... Major Kurth's umpiring and shit-kicking ability were clearly top-notch. And in the next year, 1923, he found himself with a promotion to the International League, which is essentially AAA, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of the international... Buffalo and yeah, all exactly. those teams, yeah. yeah. Um, so chaos followed Major Kurth to the upper echelons of the minor leagues as well. He quickly gained a reputation as a man who would be willing to throw down at any time with players. And even managers and fans... <laughs> does not draw a line at anybody. No, no. So it's not just players. You'll see. So the violence was rare. I have to really... It's rare. It's rare. Okay. He He's... It's not like it happens every game, but it just seems to always be happening to him. Well, remember, he is a massive man. Yeah. So who would want to fight him? Well, exactly. But. So he, he that's like all he needs to control the situation normally. But every now and then someone gets someone gets chesty. Exactly. <laughs> People getting chesty, real problem back then. Um, so as we know though, no matter how big you are, umpiring could be quite dangerous back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a fan once threw a bottle at him. And he threw it back and nailed the guy right in the fucking head. Wow. <laughs> when the league president wanted to fine him, he said, then I'll fine you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he threw a bottle at him. <laughs> no. So the league president of the International League, I believe, is he's like, well, you can't do that. You can't throw things at them. Mm -hmm. And his response was, well, they're not through, supposed to throw things at me. <laughs> he's got a point. I mean... <laughs> So he's like, this guy got away with it. Why can't I get away with it? Mm -hmm. He wasn't yeah. fined. And he wasn't fined. No, no. I mean, he makes a compelling argument. Yeah. <laughs> he legitimately is like, well, they're not supposed to And how, are, how, how would anyone know? Yeah. 
Um, so Major Crook could definitely handle a player or two or a fan or two, um, but not a stadium full of fans, apparently. Well, I would imagine not. <laughs> and on Labor Day 1923, it sounds like Major Kurth had to run for his life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even though some people will tell you he stood his ground and fought every motherfucker in the house that day. <laughs> okay. That'd be an interesting sight to see. Yeah, yeah. So I found, like, n- normally we, we read a bunch of different accounts and summarize it. I'm just going to straight up read this one because it's one of the best articles on baseball history uh, about Major Kurt that I could find. Uh, and it's by Jonathan Croyle of Syracuse.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's not the full article, but I, I, I got the part that, that is most pertinent. And I love this opening line to the article, or at least the, the, the day in question. So here we go. Here's Jonathan Croyle's article. Uh, a game on Labor Day weekend, 1923, between the Syracuse Stars and the Baltimore Orioles at Star Park would be described by the Syracuse Herald as the worst scene in local history. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like he's not even using hyperbole at this point. Yeah, well, he's describing what the Syracuse Herald said at the time. Mm-hmm. So for however long Syracuse had been, Right. At the time, the Syracuse Herald was like, shit got so fucked up. Yes, that was the worst day ever That's in Syracuse. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a disputed call at first base would, produ- would produce the most hectic scene in the history of baseball here. A real riot in every sense of the word. He goes on to describe the game and what took place. Syracuse and Baltimore played a doubleheader on September 1st, 1923. The Orioles were on top of the International League with an 89-49 and record, on their way to winning their fifth consecutive championship. Syracuse were well out of contention, mired in sixth place, place of eight-team league. Baltimore won Game 1 without incident, and Game 2 headed into the top of the final inning with the Stars up by a run, 3-2, to two, after a dramatic three-run homer. To take the lead. So. Okay. Yeah. So doubleheaders are seven innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then in the minors and as well as today, I think. Uh, and Last or, year. Last well, year. yeah. But I think it's still in the minors. I don't know. Um, uh, right, right. Sorry. In the top of the seventh, the Orioles had a runner on second with two out. A ground ball was fielded and the throw to first base was good. But the Stars' first sacker, Red McKee, normally a catcher, was ruled by umpire Major Kurth to have not had his foot on the base, and the runner was safe. Okay. Yeah. So no sooner had the safe call been he's made... At, he's at home? No, I think it's first, first and third. Place? First and third with, okay. with one out. Or with two outs. No, no, no. Like, Major Kurth is, like, making that call from... No, I think the he's the first base only, Okay, there's multiple there, There's umpires. multiple umps. Yeah. He's the base up, at least. Okay. Maybe for all bases, but definitely was right there. So no sooner had the co- the safe call been made, uh, no sooner had the safe call been made, had Stars manager Frank Shag Shunessi Sh- <laughs> rushed across the field to protest. He was joined by an estimated five thousand fans who began pouring out of the grandstands. <laughs> come out to argue yeah. this call. <laughs> so, so as soon as the it call must made, have been very blatant. Then, well, I guess because it, it should have ended the game, right? From the fan and and from uh, right. the the manager's point of view. So, the manager comes rushing out. Five thousand fans who began. <laughs> pour out behind him. One fan hurled a bottle at the head of Major Kurth, but an Orioles player who had rushed out holding a bat was able to bunt the bottle to safety. He bunted it. <laughs> yeah. So immediately it seems that the Orioles are now trying to protect the umpire. Well, or yeah. just like they're kind of caught in the fray as well. Yeah. So. They're, they're, they understand something really bad is happening okay. here. Uh, so Star Park was a mob scene and calls were made to the police to send the riot squad to the park. Umpire, the umpires ruled the, the game a forfeit and awarded it to Baltimore nine to nothing, which only antagonized the fans oh more. My God. Like, get these people off the field. What? We lose. 
is bullshit. Yeah. Tear this place apart even yeah. more. <laughs> so this is, I don't understand this, but fans invaded the press box and the Herald reported demanded to know what relief might be obtained. You better write that this isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, they're in the press box. They, I don't understand this line completely, but it's not my article. Demanded to know what relief might be obtained from such umpiring. <laughs> like, why? Why? And the reporter's like, I don't know. Man. How do we appeal this? Yeah. <laughs> Instantly, a petition was produced to demand the International League president, John Conway Toole, reverse the forfeit. So, Jesus, this is the ultimate protest. Yeah. Like the most immediate protest. Yeah, so here's where the story begins to get a little murky. How did umpire Major Kurth react? The Herald wrote that he and his colleagues sought refuge in the Baltimore dugout. Players from both teams providing what protection they could. So, just like standing there with their bats. Yeah, exactly. Finally, a cab arrives. And remember, the rest is like, the stadium's getting destroyed. People are in the press box. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we fi- need to do something about this umpire. <laughs> <laughs> so, finally, a cab arrives. Uh, and the umpires with a police escort make their way to the, the car or the carriage, whatever it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, which becomes an immediate target for sticks and stones and bottles as, mm-hmm. as the car whirls mm-hmm. away. Um, so Major Kirk <laughs> escapes with his life. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Major Kirk reigned on the field during the game and seldom did anyone challenge his authority but as we know people are dumb the following (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we go we keep going from one incident to the next the following year during a game between toronto the toronto maple leafs and the baltimore orioles in baltimore this time so once again it's the orioles Mm -hmm. uh this time we got some local flavor with the the toronto maple leafs playing them uh major kirk had enough of toronto player eddie onslow major kirk ejected onslow but onslow refused to leave the field the Roychester Democrat and Chronicle wrote, The excitement occurred when Toronto's Eddie Onslow, violently disputing a decision, was ordered out of the game. He hurled vile names at Arbiter, which was Major Kurt, for several minutes, mm-hmm. and then finally the latter floored the athlete with a punch on the chin. <laughs> so he's just, Onslow is just berating. Uh... And he refuses to leave the field. Yeah. And then just gets decked. Yeah. So once well, again, Major Kurth kind of shows a little shows a little restraint. bit of restraint, and then and then George just gives him one. Yeah, eventually gives in. But in this case, it's not a fair fight because Otis Miller, a teammate of Onslow, then knocked down the umpire, and fists were flying thick and fast. Holy fuck! <laughs> so this other guy comes in, just tackles the umpire, and now they're just like now, in like a dust pile. There's a brawl. Flying. There's a player oh brawl God. that breaks out around the umpire. Uh, to finish that sentence, thick and fast when police arrive to quell the disturbance. Oh so, so the riot squad's called again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this is all his time in the International League. Uh, once again, 1925. Like they didn't have anyone else that wanted to be an umpire. But he's a good umpire. It doesn't sound like he, he is. He's a very good umpire. People just want to fight him, and he <laughs> just... kills them. <laughs> so um, Major Kurth kept his fists fresh, and for the 1925 season, uh, after a game in Baltimore, Major Kurth fought Buffalo manager Billy Webb under the stands. Fought another guy. Yeah, but this time, times are changing, right? right, right. Times are changing. Uh, he fights Buffalo manager Billy Webb under the stands, both were then charged with disorderly conduct. It's is that like a? It sounds like maybe that's like a common thing. Like you went to go settle your disputes under the stands. We talked about that in the yeah, Tim yeah. Hurst one. The guy wouldn't meet him, and then he had to go beat him in the public space. Well, he kind of did that back in his playing career. Remember, he beat the shit out of the umpire. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, as I say, this is more than just him being an authoritative umpire. He he clearly settles things with violence, but also is kind of a nice guy. So, okay. um, they're both charged. With disorderly conduct, but this would not be his last charge, essentially. During the first game of a doubleheader in New Jersey on July 26, 1925, Major Kurth ejected Snook Stoud, amazing name, mm-hmm. of the Jersey City Skeeters, amazing name. Another amazing name. Uh, and according to the Baltimore Sun, 
This so incensed the crowd that fans rushed on the field and attacked Major Kurth, while oh pop God. bottles showered about him from the stands. In the general mix-up, the umpire floored a fan with a punch to the jaw. Mounted police... So now horses are on horses. I mean, now police are on horses. <laughs> yeah. Mounted police and others from the stands rushed onto the field and with difficulty protected the umpire from the crowd. So... <laughs> Once again. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe let's... Anyway. Once again, this, they, they attacked him. They attacked him. What's he supposed to do? Um, so legend has it that he even challenged a mob in Syracuse, which had been waiting for him outside the ballpark after a game. He walked out in the cr to the crowd alone after they were like, yeah, dude, there's like... There's a crowd. They're going to kick your ass if you go out there. Mm -hmm. And so he just was like... It's like, well, I guess I better go out there. Yeah, yeah. Have, <laughs> you, have you seen the movie Troy? No. Uh, yeah, they're basically, they're just like, yeah, one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to do this one-on-one. -on -one. Major Kurth is just like a... I don't know the specific, but he just walks out and says to this crowd of people, trot out to your champions, one or two at a time. I'll take them all on. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's amazing. Yeah. So the crowd shits their pants collectively. Right. Nobody they didn't like get together and choose a champion. No, because this is so ballsy. Right. So they that this giant comes out and yeah. it's like, I'll just take any one of his on. Yeah. He just walked right through them and just went back to his hotel. Hmm. That's. Scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. When he basically was like, fine, yeah. let's go. Yeah. I love that he said one or two at a time. It wasn't right. like one at a time. It was yeah. like, I can do two. Yeah. <laughs> Six foot three and 190 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the best part. Despite his violent reputation, he was getting rave reviews with one publication saying, in addition to his keen baseball eye and brain... He had six feet, three inches of height and 217 pounds of beef, not fat, to back up his decisions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they like that yeah. he fights people That's and right. makes contentious calls that result in, mm -hmm. you know, violence. Well, not necessarily started by him, but, you know, he won't back down. He be was becoming one of the best umps in the league and would umpire the Little World Series between the league's Baltimore Orioles and the American Association's Louisville Colonels in 1925. So 1925, very successful year. He beat the shit out of a lot of people <laughs> and got a lot of accolades to the point where he gets to essentially do the Minor League World Series. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Before 1927 season, he requested a transfer to the American Association so he could be closer to home in the Midwest. Remember, he lives in Illinois. Mm -hmm. So this did not last long, unfortunately, because the American Association apparently frowned on umpires fighting players. <laughs> so, oh, no kidding. <laughs> so on April 24th, 1927, so April... Mm -hmm. Not long after he started this new uh, with this new league, uh, Major Kurth exchanged bitter words with Ivy Griffin, first baseman for the Milwaukee Blue Brewers. After the game, Major Kurth went to Griffin's hotel and demanded an apology from Griffin. The two men <laughs> fought, and Major Kurth reportedly Christ. got like, the best of the Brewers' first baseman. He just like can't let this go. No. Like, he leaves the stand. I'm gonna get this motherfucker. Where's he staying? Yeah. So once again, remember I said this was not the first time he'd be charged. The police arrived because this is not on the baseball field, of course. And he was arrested. Okay. He's fined twenty five dollars. And was given a 30-day suspended sentence for assault and battery. So, we're, it's no it's longer okay. disorderly. It's not just a little slap on the wrist. Yeah, anymore. It's yeah. kind of a, yeah, okay. Yeah, he would say, as he matured, that uh, <laughs> even though he's a grown-ass man, <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't say. have done it, but hell, I was mad. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically... Uh, it, it's about as honest a statement as he could make, I yeah, guess. Yeah, basically every courtroom in the country. That's about 90% of the arguments that mm. are made. <laughs> well, I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas Hickey, president of the American association was not happy. Uh, no. obviously, uh, he was charged and all this. Um, so, so much for working near home. He fires major Kurth. Okay. So American association. Yeah. 
So Major Kurt's a fired. Stricter. But his career's not over because Hickey, the man who just fired him, recommended him to Harry A. Williams, president of the Pacific <laughs> Coast League, who quickly hired him. All right. And that kind of happens, though, you know? You like, give a guy a good reference because, you know. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> here, here. here is the umpires back then are like police officers now. <laughs> you can just yeah. beat the shit out of somebody <laughs> and your boss will be like, oh, he's great. No, you should just work a little bit further from home so people don't know about this. <laughs> it's like a sheriff. Yeah. So Major Kurth seemingly had learned his lesson and for the time being put his head down and worked hard in the Pacific Coast League. And in 1929, at the age of 40, George Major Kurth would become a major league umpire. Ooh, goes right to the big dance. Yeah. Well, he, he umped in the PCL for two years without a news article coming out about <laughs> <laughs> trying to kill yeah. somebody or getting 700 days without an incident. <laughs> he, had a, he had a thing in his kitchen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he just wrote that. So I, I, I forget who the, the, the commissioner is, but let's just say it's like mm-hmm. Mountain Landis, Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Just here's my resume. 700 days without punching something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm George Major Kurth. Um, so Major Kurth is in the National League. He, he makes his presence felt immediately. Uh, on the ball fields across uh, across the nation. So even though he was a rookie umpire, he policed the diamond like an old-time sheriff. Okay. <laughs> His As reputation for fighting was well-known at this point, and few dared challenge the giant man. Well, why would you? If you knew his reputation was that he would fight an entire crowd one or two at a time. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, also, remember, he's just kind of gaining weight through this time. and I would notice that. He yeah. was at 217 a little while yeah, ago. He now, started at 190. Well, he's 40 now, and now he's getting up to that, like, 230, 240 kind okay. of. Uh, but he's very barrel-chested and wide, right? He's still huge. He's a huge dude. Um, so, in a story in Life magazine, he said... I never gave a hang about what a Brooklyn fan thought of me or a Giant fan thought of me tomorrow. The umpire is boss. Once his authority begins to waver, the game is in trouble. (laughs) Why did he single out Brooklyn or Giants fans? I think that just establishes, you know, what a no-nonsense guy he is. that, That he's a rookie umpire and he's taken these just, I don't give a fuck. I'm the boss. I don't care what team you like. I don't care what team or who, if Babe Ruth's in front of me. Okay. I'm making the call, and you can stuff it. Yeah. Essentially. I'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah. So Major Kurth immediately established himself, kicking out none other than Giants manager slash owner Tim McGraw, who is in his 39th season of of pro ball. Tim McGraw or John McGraw? Uh, probably John McGraw, I but John I don't know. McGraw. is Tim McGraw a country star? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. He's still in the Charlie Pride episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he didn't just kick McGraw out of off the field, though. He right. kicked McGraw out of his own stadium. Okay. He owned it too. Yeah, he was the partial owner. He was the general manager. Right. He was not the. I. I. Well, he was. Anyways, McGraw jumped onto the field and had a heated argument with Major Kurth who pulled out his stopwatch and told McGraw he had three minutes to leave the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) What a power move. Yeah. Three minutes, bud. Yeah, to leave the stadium. And I'm assuming this was with a threat of forfeit because he had come out of the stands to argue with him. Did he follow him out? No. McGraw came out of the stands onto the field. No, no, I'm just saying, but if he told him oh, to yeah. leave, it's like, did he follow him to make maybe sure he, he left in three maybe minutes? Maybe he deputized like, a police officer. Make sure Mr. McGraw is out of the field. <laughs> Fire your pistol in the air so I know. We'll, we'll start the game. <laughs> That's probably what happened, yeah. honestly. So uh, for his officer-like demeanor and control, Major Kurtz soon known simply as the Mage. He he gained respect of many players and managers from the league for being intense, fair, and colorful. Mm -hmm. So Arch Murray wrote in Collier's Weekly, he takes on the mean of a top sergeant or of a top sergeant drilling a band of raw rookies. He snorts confidence and his voice rings out with all the power of a bellowing bull. He, the fellow oozes authority from every inch of his ponderous frame. Which is just great writing. It is. 
But you can see he's 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 colorful. He's he's making the calls with authority mm-hmm. and oomph. So kind of people like that, right? It's 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 when umpires started developing more of a personality and their own kind of thing. And this guy is is leading the way. Right. Uh, it's sort of like uh, I I see how it would be like interesting to watch sort of like an almost potential conflict to always be like happening. Like this guy being like you know, and I'm sure they're like impressed by like his authority and like him like you know kind of yeah. bring the hammer down, right? Like, yeah, so for sure. But he's an umpire, so people fucking hate him as well. Uh, True. Leo DeRocher <laughs> constantly found reasons to argue with the mage, and by the sounds of it, constantly was mousing, mouthing off throughout most of his career. That sounds like a ticking time bomb. No. The two would so commonly find themselves in blistering, screaming arguments that the Brooklyn Daily Eagle called it the usual DeRocher Major Kurth duet. <laughs> um, sports writer Whitney Martin said the duet was more like a terrier yipping at a St. Bernard. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so consi- that paints a picture. Yeah, so DeRocher's about 5'9", and mm-hmm. Major Kurth probably has 70 pounds on him. Mm-hmm. So Casey Stangle, uh, well-known, uh, if you haven't heard of the uh, grapefruit incident. Mm-hmm. Is that what that episode's called? Yep. Uh, maybe. Something uh, like that. Something like that. Uh, Casey Stangle expressed that he felt Major Kurth was drunk with authority and didn't care for him at all. Major Kurth's NL career progressed, though. Major Kurth witnessed hi- history and about from about two feet when he was behind the plate when Babe Ruth called his shot in the 1932 World Series against the Cubs. Oh, what a place to be. Yes, and actually this is a little bit contentious. Uh, he, he was supposed to ump third, but there was a last-minute switch uh, that essentially put him into baseball history as behind the plate. I also read somewhere that he was the, at first base, uh, but his grandson, I believe, was uh, pretty uh, pretty clear that he was, uh, he was behind the plate. Um, so regardless of where he was umpiring on the field that day, he did see it, and he did say Babe called it. Okay. That's good enough for me. I'm not going to challenge that no. guy. No, well, he'll come back and punch <laughs> you in the mouth. Yeah. Um, the I'm mage scared of that guy's ghost. <laughs> the mage was <laughs> a well-respected ump. Uh, obviously, he's umping in the World Series within just a couple years. And even John McGraw, I spelled it right this time, sang his praises. <laughs> so the guy he kicked out of his own stadium eventually is... Came around. And Came around. Like, yeah, okay. Major Kurth mostly stayed out of trouble, uh, from what I can find about from about the first decade of his career, though his short temper would occasionally flare up, especially with fans. Uh, in a game in St. Louis, a Cards fan began cursing out the mage. Major Kurth motioned the fan onto the field near the bullpen. The fan... <laughs> oh, my God. The fan accepted. And before the players in the bullpen could intervene, which they were like, oh, no, no, no don't, don't, no. Go that, no, don't go and fight that guy. Both were rolling around throwing punches in the middle of the bullpen, <laughs> which I'm assuming is down the line, not, not in the outfield like today. That is like the the most intimidating, scary thing I could think of. Just the mage being like, you can't see me doing it, but I'm waving just <laughs> ominously. And he's also well into his 40s at this point, too. So mm-hmm. this fan was probably drunk. It's probably all scarred up yeah. and everything. Yeah. So um, on July 15th, 1939, Major Kurth would exchange spittle and punches with scrappy New York Giants shortstop Billy Jurgis. During a game against Cincinnati at the Polo Grounds, the incident happened after half a dozen Giants players became furious that umpire Lee Belafonte, who had ruled a long fly ball down the foul line, a home run for the Reds. Uh, the players surrounded Belafonte, loudly questioning his eyesight. So <laughs> apparently, this was a pretty egregious call, uh, but screw it, who cares? Major Kurth rushed over to support Belafonte, as you should. As you would, yeah. And suddenly, Major Court and Jurges were nose to nose. And they were just purposely, apparently, spitting, like, just like arguing yeah, with phlegm with the flying out. Of, yeah, okay. Yeah, so. Here's how the exchange went. Did you spit in my face, Jurgis said? Don't get your face so near mine and it won't get spit on, bellowed Mage. 
I'll spit in yours, Georges came back. <laughs> I'd like to see you do that, Major Kurth replied. So, arrested development narrator, he did. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask, yeah. I thought you would tell me. Uh, so, at this point, you know, they're fighting. <laughs> yeah. They are. They spit at each other. Now, they're just... And I think there was a few spits back and forth before <laughs> before right. punches started. They spat on the ground <laughs> yeah. first and then on each other. Yeah. Sports writers said it was Jurgis who swung first, but the 50-year-old Major Kurth definitely swung back. The men were finally separated and removed from the game. NL president Ford Frick fined Major Kurth and Jurgis... $150 a piece and suspended both men for 10 games for their actions. So unlike his early days where he punched somebody and, and got a pat on the back for it. Oh yeah. And the game kept going. Right. Like the umpire was kicked out of the game and right. fined and suspended. Um, so we can it's see probably not a bad idea. Times are changing. Yeah. Um, Major Kurth was a pro and took full responsibility in his report to the NL president at the end of the report was a line underscored in red ink that said, when he swung at me, I spit in his face. I know it, I was wrong, but I did it. I was mad. <laughs> so so he's, he's, he's almost 50, and he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Like, like you say, he was at least honest in his testimony. But. Yeah, um, but... You know, this is not uh, this is not the last time. Let's just keep <laughs> oh going. We God. got a couple more here. Um, this is this is when you know maybe age catches up with him, but who knows? So the most infamous or famous incident featuring George Major Kurth would take place on September sixteenth, nineteen forty, at Ebbets Field in an extra innings game between the Dodgers and Reds. In the top of the tenth inning, the Mage reversed. The second base umpire's call on a bobbled force out attempt by the Dodgers at second base. So clearly the ball was, you know, maybe it was a force out and the yeah. guy was juggling it. Was shoveled it. Or yeah. Whatever. So the mage's like, no, he wasn't holding on to it. DeRocher loses his mind. Uh, he comes out <laughs> kicking dirt on of the mage. Of course it's DeRocher. Yeah. So he melts down for about 15 minutes. Uh, DeRocher's ejected and the game game resumed as just regular kind of for the time uh the overturn call would allow the reds to score uh the game winning run and they won four to three okay. after the game a dodgers fan named frank geronimo germano sorry not geronimo Ger frankie germano jumped the railing and went straight at major kurth he waited till the end of the game. Yeah, the game's okay. over. Right. You know, he waited. I guess it was late. It yeah, was yeah, late. yeah, yeah. He wanted the dodgers to come back and win. Right. Um so uh, the two exchanged blows, but the much younger Germano was able to straddle the much, much larger Major Kurth uh, and just just give it to him. There's a picture of this oh, no. that you can find on the internet. I didn't want it. It's not that. But right. he's right. he's punching him right in the face. Uh, another ump managed to pull uh, Germano uh, or put Germano in a headlock and wrestle him off Major Kurth, who was beaten but wasn't badly hurt. Instead, instead of me describing the incident, I will just quote from Germano himself, who was interviewed by Sports Illustrated 50 years later oh my God. about the incident and clearly not let go. <laughs> this, right. is, this is another I was angry. Major Kurth called the guy safe. He should have been out. <laughs> oh, my God. 50 years later, he's still like, I, well, yeah, but he, he called him. Safe. He, he really should have had out. to kick his ass. He was wrong about the baseball game. <laughs> he continues. Cincinnati wins the wins the game. Now I'm mad. I'm burning. I jump down to the field and I'm walking out towards the clubhouse where the Dodgers go. Who walk? Who walks right in front of me? The ump. I said, "Hey George, why don't you go back to the minor leagues? You're a bum." <laughs> Oh, man. He called me a name. I called him a name. He made like he was going to push me out of the way. I thought he was going to hit me. I started throwing punches, right hooks, uppercuts. Then he, then I thought, hey, this guy's too big for me. 
I got to sit him down. So I did. <laughs> so basically, he starts punching him. And is just like, I can't do anything without knocking him on the ground. So yeah. it's really fucked up that Sports Illustrated <laughs> yeah, covered, that. covered this guy. Yeah. You know. Um, so while he sat on the mage, a uh, New York Daily News photographer uh, took a photograph that would go 1940s viral. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germano was on parole at the time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, for assault. Go figure. No kidding. Yeah. What was he thinking? Obviously, he was not thinking. Yeah, so he was ar- mad. He's arrested. Okay. Um, but Dodgers fans would parade to the courthouse in support of him and collect money for his legal fees. Oh, my God. People are so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the following spring, I believe, uh, he had his hearing and, and George Majorkert shows up to the hearing and just says to the judge, he doesn't want to press charges and, uh, everything's, everything's all good. It's all good. good. They shake hands outside the courthouse. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Leo DeRocher, remember he... I don't want to say started the incident, but you'll see. Um, Leo DeRocher was fined $100 by the National League for inciting a riot. <laughs> oh, my God. I wouldn't think the National League could have that authority. Yeah, yeah. And the Reds won the pennant. And and I got to say, I don't, want to, I don't want to give any credit to, uh, to what's his name, Germano or whatever. Uh, so he part of the reason why DeRocher was fined is in the press, I believe, uh, Germano was like, I'm a DeRocher guy. He was mad, so I was mad. So he kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But the Reds won the pennant, and that 4-3 victory basically sealed the fate. I think they were still up by, you know, eight games or something at this point. Remember, it's September, so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think it was basically sealed, but, you know, the Not Dodgers, the Dodgers but... had a sniff of a hope if they, if they had won the series. Right. Uh, and they didn't. Um so even with all the wild stories, for the most part, the mage ran a tight ship on the field and didn't take crap from nobody. Uh, and as you've heard, rarely did people dare retort the man. He once ejected 11 pirates at once. The players, <laughs> not the not the pirates. Walk the plank, you <laughs> bastards. <laughs> then topped himself by booting out 15 Dodgers in one game. Oh, man. So, the final bout of violence I can find during Major Kurt's distinguished career came in July 1945, when a large man, now in his late 50s, went after a heckler in the box seats in Cincinnati following a doubleheader, after the man had been heckling him all day. Remember, it's a doubleheader. So, apparently, right. this particular right. fan was just giving it to just Mage. Just on the Mage all day. Yeah. Mage gave the man a black eye... And it may have been worse had several players not jumped in and wrestled the giant umpire away from the fan. Uh, (laughs) Stop. Stop. He's already dead. Yeah. (laughs) I I should put... These are in box seats. These are not just Joe regular fans. He went into like the equivalent of a corporate seat nowadays and yeah. beat the shit out of somebody. Um, so Major Kurth was, of course, fined and suspended for this uh, and settled any issues by giving the fan $100 for his medical bills, which is a lot of money uh, at the time. Yeah, 1947 would be the Mage's final season. After 19 Major League seasons, the Mage had umpired in 2,808 regular season games plus 22 games in four World Series. Damn. Two all-star games and, of course, hundreds of exhibition games. He still was one of the best at his craft, but his knees were giving out, and he could no longer get into position quick enough. His hands had been broken several times. <laughs> he doesn't need his hands. <laughs> his, his strike-calling hand was just destroyed by people's cheekbones. <laughs> so at the age of 59, he decided it was time to retire. His final appearance was Game 7 of the 1947 World Series, where the Yankees beat the Dodgers 5-2. to two. Major Kurth retired uh, and lived a quiet life in southern Illinois, playing cards at the local Elks Club and smoking stogies. George Major Kirk, the famous and infamous umpire, died on October 7th, 1966, at the age of 77. Howard Cosell called him the toughest year-out umpire in the history of the game. What does that mean? It means the toughest, like, he was a bulldog. He was like, 
when he said you're out. No bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, he became like when he said you're out, you know, you're out. the fans okay. in the grandstands could hear it. I don't oh, know okay. if the grandstands are far. I'm not right. really kidding. Right. In the bleachers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I got you. Uh, his old pal, Leo DeRocher, was asked about umpires in 1951 and reflected on his re- relationship with George Major Kurth. Remember old mage? That big bag of wind. <laughs> <laughs> he was the most stubborn guy I ever knew. What a guy. I sure miss him. We had some wonderful pushing contests together. Well, that's nice. So obviously he was like a good and respectable guy if like his like mortal enemy on the <laughs> field was like, you know, had such nice, you know, obviously was the man who commanded respect, you know. Yeah. And, and that was George Major. Can you believe that man has a one paragraph Wikipedia? No, that's insane. That That is not frontier justice. It I'll tell you that. wild. So uh, obviously I, I found Major Kurth from that picture of, of mm-hmm. him getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took really about five minutes to realize that this is probably the most infamous ba- or umpire. Like more infamous than Tim Hurst because right. it was more recent. Yeah, yeah. Uh and it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, at first the fighting and stuff is kind of respected and, and he's still really respected, but it just keeps becoming more and more trouble throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Well, he's aging and probably less able to fight off some of the challenges, but it's just weird that like, it seemed to be that, I, I guess maybe it was the fact that he did command such respect that like, maybe that caused people to often want to test it. Well, exactly. That's you know? why... Talk to any bouncer, right? Right. They'll say uh, every now and then somebody just wants to challenge authority mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and throw a punch. Yeah. Right. And and it seems that this dude was so big and intimidating that that probably you know struck a nerve in a lot of people's egos a lot of time, and you know he had to fight off a lot of <laughs> challengers. Yeah. But also remember when he was a player. He fought number. <laughs> yeah, he was crazy too. I'm not saying he yeah. probably invited it along himself too. Oh yeah, but but, but think about it. Twenty five years of umpiring, and you know, there's probably a ten stories there about him fighting people. Mm-hmm. So he, I I couldn't believe that it just kept going. Like you kept you you said after the uh, the five the five thousand person riot or yeah. whatever they were like. So this next one is his most infamous story, and that blew my fucking mind. Yeah, I didn't have a good transition there between that article from Syracuse and then into the next story. So it just kept going. Um, no, it was absolutely wild. But I love, I love the story of him and the American Association. They're like, George, you can't do that. No, you're, you're, you're just fired. too crazy. You're to fired. Get out of here, you're buddy. fired. I called my buddy out west. He said he'll hire you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes. Oh my god. Okay. Uh so uh go on Wikipedia and write more about George Major Kurth. Uh follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. Okay. And uh we, we made our t- Twitters more baseball things. Yeah. I'm Ed's Do Baseball. And I'm Sean Do Baseball, S E A N. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, again, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, thanks for listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Appreciate it very much. And, again, thanks for listening. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we were doing the baseball. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.